We've gotten to the last of the seven letters to the churches uh, that Jesus gave to the Apostle John to be delivered to these churches, and the last letter in the series is the letter to the church at Laodicea, and it is found in Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 to 22. To the angel of the church at Laodicea write, these are the words of the Amen the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you, buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. today. Uh, as you know, I've been dealing, you know, using uh, song titles from, you know, the olden days for uh, the, the, the sermon titles. Um, it reminds me of something that happened to me uh, moving back into uh, the Philadelphia area. Um, when I was in college, 98.1 
was the hip station. It was the cool station. It was the one that I was embarrassed to listen to because um, it was too cool, but I figured I am too cool too, so it works. Uh, and, and then I moved back, and, I, and I, I turned the dial to the same place, and I heard the same songs, and I'm like, this is awesome. I'm still cool, until they said, this is oldies 98. So I apologize to anyone who would prefer to see song titles from more recent years, but I don't know them. So uh, we'll, you'll have to deal with, with these old ones. But this one, open the door. Open the door, let him in. The church at Laodicea thought that they had Christ in amongst them. They thought that he was already in. But Jesus was standing outside the door, knocking, waiting to be invited in. And I wonder how true that is of us or of any number of churches and individuals today. We think we know him. But we don't. It's interesting, these letters were probably, um, well, I'm pretty sure, uh, they were sent along to the churches. The, many of the scholars point out the route that makes sense from the very first letter to this last letter that would have made sense for someone traveling to bring these messages to the churches. And uh, they probably read each letter to each church. And, because at the end it says, Listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. So each church heard all of them. And I'm sure the people of Laodicea heard the letters to the other churches and thought, oh yeah, well, I thought that about them. They, they have that problem or this problem. And you know, all the letters have something positive that is said and then something negative, a challenge that is said, except for a couple that have no challenge. Well, Laodicea is the one that has no positive. And they probably were a little bit crestfallen when they realized that their letter, the other letters were about churches that had good and bad and their letter had no good. And they thought they were good. In verse 17, Jesus says to them, you say that you're rich, that you've acquired wealth and don't need anything. But you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. It helps to understand a little bit about Laodicea and its geography and the, and the city there. Um, one issue that Laodicea had was that it did not have a source of water. So when Jesus says, um, you're neither hot nor cold, he's actually referring to their water supply as well as their hearts. Because uh, Hierapolis uh, was not too far away and it had hot springs and people would go there for the medicinal qualities of these hot springs. And Colossae was not too far away and had wonderful cold water springing up. But Laodicea had nothing. So what they had to do was they developed an aqueduct system to get their water from uh, Colossae and, and get it to them. But by the time it got there, it was filled with sediment and it was warm. So they were a very rich town, but they had bad water. They were very rich in that they had um, gold there. They were very rich in that there was a, a, 
a wool that the sheep there produced that was a very glossy black wool, very highly prized, very, very valuable. Uh, Laodicea was on the trade route, so there was a lot of business that came in and out of Laodicea. There was a, a medical clinic there that had developed a salve for people's eyes to help them with vision problems. There were a lot of things going for Laodicea. They were the wealthiest of all of the towns that uh, letters were written to here. But their wealth became a distraction from their faith. And when Jesus says, you're neither hot nor cold, he's probably not using our current um, understanding of you know, how we use the language. He's probably just referring to their water supply. He's not saying that hot is someone on fire for God and cold is someone who doesn't care. It's more likely when you w go for water, you expect it to be hot or cold. And when it's not what you hope it would be, if it's not what you would expect it to be, it's a disappointment. And what he's saying to them is, you are supposed to be a church. You are supposed to shine the light of the gospel into your, your city. And I come to you, and you're not what you're supposed to be. And it's disgusting. When it says, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth, that's a very strong word for spit. You're not who you're supposed to be, and there's, there's something very wrong with that, he says. A number of years ago, this was written about the church in the United States. You may recognize it. At the end, I'll tell you who wrote it. There was a time when the church was very powerful. It was during that period that the early Christians rejoiced when they were deemed worthy to suffer for what they believed. In those days, the church was not merely a thermometer that recorded the ideas and principles of popular opinion. It was the thermostat that transformed the mores of society. Wherever the early Christians entered a town, the power structure got disturbed and immediately sought to convict them for being disturbers of the peace and outside agitators. But they went on with the conviction that they were a colony of heaven and had to obey God rather than man. They were small in number, but big in commitment. They were too God-intoxicated to be astronomically intimidated. They brought an end to such ancient evils as infanticide and gladiatorial contests. But things are different now. The contemporary church is so often a weak, ineffectual voice with an uncertain sound. It is so often the arch supporter of the status quo. Far from being disturbed by the presence of the church, the power structure of the average community is consoled by the church. Church is often vocal sanction of things as they are. But the judgment of God is upon the church as never before. If the church of today does not recapture the sacrificial spirit of the early church, it will lose its authentic ring forfeit the loyalty of millions, and be dismissed as an irrelevant social club with no meaning for the 20th century. I meet young people every day whose disappointment with the church has risen to outright disgust. Anyone recognize that? Letters from a Birmingham jail for Martin Luther King Jr. You got it. Many years ago, he saw the problem that the complacent church was creating. 
a church that just sort of drifted along with the culture became so much similar to the culture that people couldn't really distinguish between those who knew Christ and those who didn't. A church that stood up maybe for being a good person, but not for being ambassadors of the kingdom of God. And that kind of Christianity does not serve the kingdom well. That was written 50 years ago. And yet it is maybe even more true today. Laodicea was probably like the United States of America. Wealthy, self-satisfied, proud. And the people of the church at Laodicea were wealthy and self-satisfied and proud of their status as Laodiceans. Thinking we have everything we need. We have trade routes. We have uh, goods that we can sell. In fact, when Laodicea was uh, decimated by an earthquake, you know, we talked about the other churches receiving money from the empire. Laodicea said, we don't need it. We have everything we need. We can rebuild ourselves. They were proud in their circumstance. But what does Scripture say about the proud? God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The church at Laodicea was proud of things that had nothing to do with the kingdom of God. They were proud of blessings that they had received as if they had earned them when actually they were just the outpouring of God's riches for them. And Jesus says, you are wretched. You are pitiful. You are poor. You are blind. You are naked. It's interesting that he uses those terms, you are poor, when they had all the gold that was available to them. You are blind when they had that salve that was known to uh, heal eye problems. They had this wool that was used to clothe people with not just normal clothing, but exquisite clothing. And he says, you are poor, you are blind, and you are naked. Because they had purchased their riches from the wrong store. They had invested in worldly things to so much of a degree that they failed to invest in the kingdom of God. They failed to nurture their relationship with God and Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ ends up outside the door asking to come back in. Now, it's interesting to note what happens when Jesus comes back in. First, he says, Buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich, white clothes to wear so that you can cover your nakedness, and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. In other words, come to me for all of those needs that you think are being fulfilled, but they're not by worldly things. It's reminiscent of Isaiah chapter 55 where we see these words. These words which are echoed in our closing song. Uh-oh, right, there it is, okay. Come to me, come to me, God says. 
All you who are thirsty, come to the waters. All you have no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. In other words, put aside all of those things that you think give you value, think give you importance, all those things that we invest so heavily in that are earthly things that will not last, and invest in the kingdom of God. Buy what God is giving you. In fact, it's funny, Jesus is humorous on purpose here, come buy from me, but when you buy from me, it's free. You just have to spend your pride. Give up your pride and receive from me. And repent. Buy from me in verse 18. Verse 19. Be earnest and repent. Which is reminiscent of what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 7. If I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I am happy. Not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. God's Patience leads us to repentance. Jesus, when he says these things to the church at Laodicea, it feels sort of harsh. You are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. But his heart is shown in verse 19. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. He's looking at them. He's disappointed but his heart is still filled with love. And what he desires is that when he tells them that there's something wrong, that they will come back, that they will repent. Proverbs 3, 5 echoes these themes as well. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Receive Christ back in. Repent and reopen. Receive the gifts of God as the most valuable of anything you'll ever have. Repent of trusting in the ways of the world and reopen the door of your life to Jesus Christ. He might challenge you but his challenge is in love 
knowing that it is when you give yourself to him that your life will be made truly full. And we look at the uh, introduction to these letters to see the various names of Jesus that, are, that introduce the letters to tie them to the specific situation. And here it says, these are the words of the amen, the faithful and true, the witness, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. The amen. Amen means so be it. Jesus is the one who declares what is true. All the other messages we receive, if they are not in line with the message of Jesus Christ, are ultimately not true, not worth putting our hope and trust into. He is the faithful and true witness, the ruler of creation, the one who made it all so he understands it all. He knows what is right and good. Let us put our trust and hope in him, renewing our trust, renewing our fellowship with Jesus Christ, which renews our fellowship with God, which ultimately renews our hearts and recreates us with true wealth, with true vision, with righteousness symbolized by those white clothes. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord God, for this word to us. We don't always like to be challenged, but if we stay where we are and where we are is not good, we should welcome that challenge. So if there is anything in us that is trusting in the ways of this world more than trusting in your kingdom, if there is such a reliance for our sense of satisfaction, our sense of worth on the things of this world that we, that we exclude you from our lives and fail to nurture our walk with you, our relationship with you, then show them to us, Lord, so that we may respond by realizing that the best things come from you. Every good and perfect gift comes from you. So let us receive those gifts as most valuable. Help us to turn from anything that's keeping us from receiving those things and reopen the door of our lives, of our church, to you that by your Holy Spirit you would move in and through us to be the people you're calling us to be. Help us to trust in you with all that we are, with all that we have, and help us to know deep in our hearts your faithful presence with us. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.